Falcons Audible is back here, presented by AT&T. And, of course, I've got the guys, DJ Shockley. Dave Archer is back in the studio, we everybody. We you, Archer. Just, just to let everybody know, Dave's been playing a little bit hurt. He had to go to the doctor last week. But he is toughing it out for you. Maybe yeah. not so much for you and <laughs> no, I, but no for doubt. you. No doubt. No All doubt. right? Uh, as we will dive into the Falcons, as they came up short, two-point loss to the Arizona Cardinals out in Glendale, Arizona. We'll get into it. We'll talk about it, give you our opinions, evaluation, thoughts as we look forward to the rest of the season, all of the above. Hopefully in a matter of 20 to 25, maybe 30 minutes. Sometimes these guys get a little long-winded. Uh, we'll kind of break this game down by the quarters, by the halves. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about breaking the streak. We'll get into the quarterback situation because that's one of the hot topics around this organization. And then we will talk about the schedule ahead uh, for the Falcons as they return after their bye. Of course, Atlanta Falcons will be on bye this week along with the New Orleans Saints, who they will face in their next game. Um, Arch, let's go ahead and dive into this one. Um, and by the way, our, our steam producer, Sam, told us the ratings were extremely low because Arch was not here. Yeah, oh, he right. told so, me that. Right. Yeah, he told, he told me that. Yeah. Yeah, Bro, so, you and I dropped yeah, the ball then. Yeah, no. <laughs> no. No, That's well. not true. This but is I, the I meter mover so, right sure. here. Yeah. Right, right. Oh, so so right. Arch on cue, move the meter then. So let let's start with the first quarter, <laughs> we'll the maybe ball. even into the first half, right? We just, so we missed Arch. Though. One of the keys that I had for the game was to win the first quarter. It's been somewhat of an issue this year. Atlanta Falcons going into the Arizona game had been outscored thirty-three to thirty in the first quarter. They'd only scored touchdowns in three games, and in the remaining games, they either scored a field goal or they had not scored in the game. They did not get any points on the board to me it's just especially when you're playing on the road arch it's hard when you don't kind of put the pressure on the other team like you kind of want to strike fast give some give your team some momentum and then maybe you get an Arizona team with Kyler Murray who had just come back to this offense maybe you get him a little bit more one-dimensional but that wasn't necessarily the case for Arizona well I think initially it was mm -hmm. I think that you had a guy as you mentioned had not played all year he tore his ACL late last year uh, had been out uh, up until this this weekend, and and really had been brought off their 21 day that window where you can come off IR for yep. 21 days, and he'd only been brought off what four or five days prior to, so he practiced this week mm -hmm. that week going into the game. So there was going to be a degree of rustiness, and I think we saw it uh, with him. Uh, one of the interceptions that he throws, we'll talk about that later on. The the, the interception he throws the landman. Terrible. I don't know where he's throwing it, um, <laughs> but um, I, I, I bet he looked at the tape and said, I don't know where I was throwing it either, <laughs> but. He does have the athleticism. So you knew coming into the game, and I wrote down my keys. My keys to the game I wrote uh, before the game. I said, QB on unscheduled plays. Mm -hmm. Take care of the QB on unscheduled plays. I wrote this about 30 minutes or 45 minutes before the game. And I said, cash in on opportunities. Yep. Those are the two keys of the game for yep. me. We didn't do either one of those. <laughs> okay, and it's become a problem now. But early on in the game, you talk going back to what you're talking about, get off to a good start, you didn't. Both teams struggled early on. Mm -hmm. Both went three and out. Yep. Then Atlanta got some footing, long drive. The problem with long drives are you better score because you're shortening the game. And that's what happened. Atlanta only touched the ball three times yep. in the first half. Three and, possessions. And so there's you can't really jump out to a big lead. Don't have the ball long enough to do yeah. it. So um, you would like to see some more explosives built in there. But I do think that they did get some footing, to your point, and really kind of a, a crowd that was a really – yeah, they were there, but they were waiting to see if Kyler was going to do anything, and he didn't really do anything early. So you kind of controlled the atmosphere of the game, the way you played, 
and I guess that was a positive. Yeah, and and going into this one, I mean, DJ, you kind of had the quarterback matchup between Kyler Murray coming back his first action of the year. Obviously, Taylor Heineke with another start in this one. We'll get to him a little bit as far as what happened later in the game, but kind of assess what you saw early in the game by the two quarterbacks in this one. I think to uh, go back to what you guys were just talking about, and in those three possessions, in those the two you scored in, in that first half, you had a 12-play drive and a 13-play drive. Mm-hmm. And I could understand where Archie's coming from where maybe you want to push the ball down the field more. I, I know, uh, you know, when, when you watch some of the TV copy of it, and I went back and saw that, and, you know, I guess Adam Archuleta, who was on the call, it was, you know, late in the ball game, maybe third, fourth quarter, and the Falcons hadn't thrown a pass over 10 yards, you know, to that point. So it tells you the methodical nature that the Falcons went down and, and, and scored in, which is – Something hard to do in the NFL because there's always something that's going to go wrong like it did. And, uh, you know, you, you had a rough and a passer penalty that helped you uh, convert. You, you, you had uh, Heineke go down and, you know, the holding call on first and goal, then you get pushed back, and then Heineke makes the good run on second and goal, and then you find Scotty Miller for the touchdown. You overcame, I thought, some – some miscues on their hat on their on on their behalf yeah. to get points, which is which was big. Uh, when you talk about the two quarterbacks, though, I think you knew coming in that Kyler was going to try and make plays. I mean, you, you turn on the tape from what he just watched the previous week, and you see what Josh Dobbs was able mm-hmm. to do on his off schedule plays. You knew that was part of his game, though. I don't think he had to watch Josh Dobbs to go out there and play the way he did. And that was kind of the way he went about his business. Uh, obviously, Taylor Heineke is a guy that you score points with, you move the football with. And ultimately, you see him go down with a hamstring, and then Desmond comes in and, and does what he does. And uh, you, you like the fact that he was able to rebound coming in there off, uh, you know, being off for a couple of games. But I thought both quarterbacks did what they needed to do for their team. And obviously, Kyler's big run at the end of the ball game was a, a, a big part of this uh, equation when you think about how the Cardinals were able to move the football. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think ultimately, the, the two quarterbacks gave their team chances to win early and late in this game. One of the the big kind of question marks was where is Kyler Murray going to be, right? Like he's coming off this ACL injury. Like what type of player? And guys, correct me if I'm wrong, but he didn't look like he was slow at all. I mean, he looked like he had just as much burst, if not more, than what he did previous to when – because, I mean, there were some times when he scrambled outside and he's kind of pulling away from people. And I know that's the athleticism that he brings to the table. And as you mentioned, it's a copycat league, right? They're going to turn on. They're going to see some Josh Dobbs run. They're going to see a Baker Mayfield 31-yard run against Tampa. They're going to see some quarterback opportunities, and Kyler Murray was able to make them pay for that a little bit, Arch. Let's go Let's go into the, the second half because I think it's interesting. You guys brought up the Nate Lamon interception. Great job by him being there, having his eyes on the football. I went back and I, I rewound it a couple times, and I said, where are he going with this football? <laughs> because this that one ball was thrown, what, two yards behind his intended receiver? Easy. And fortunately, Landman was, was in a little bit of a trail pattern, and he was right there to make the interception. Huge play for the defense to get that takeaway and give the ball back to the offense, just unfortunately not able to capitalize on that opportunity, Arch. Yeah, you got to score a touchdown in that situation. These uh, This weekend, 14 games this weekend, 11 of the games were one-score games. Mm-hmm. Seven of those games were decided by a field goal or less, and six of those games were walk-off field goal wins. So when you get an opportunity, a short field opportunity, you got to go score a touchdown. Yeah. You can't settle for three, and Atlanta's done that a couple times over the last couple weekends when they've been given short field opportunities. They haven't been able to cash them in. As far as where Murray's throwing the ball, I the only thing I can guess is that he was expecting – it was a zone coverage 
Landman had dropped back into the middle of the field, and he was looking for the tight end to set it down in there. And yeah. he didn't set it down, right. and he threw, he threw it where he thought he was going to stop, and he threw it behind him because, as you, you guys said, he's about three or four yards behind him, hit Landman right in the chest. Um, I told Landman after the game, I said, dude, you got to score on that. Because <laughs> we're not getting it in the end zone on offense. you got to go score. you got to go score. He laughed and, and, and certainly uh-huh. understood that. I thought that um, – but this has been this stretch where you've lost, what, four or five. You've lost three straight now. It's been about the opportunities are there. The calls are being made. Ryan Nielsen has got guys on the quarterback. Yeah. Got to tackle him. Yeah. Got to get him on the ground. If you get an opportunity to intercept a pass or do that, you got to catch it and, and do it, which which Lamb did. Um, on the other side of the football on offense, if you get short field opportunities, you've got to cash it in. Yeah. And there are plays being called that are there that just aren't quite being executed, in my opinion, mm-hmm. um, based on what I'm seeing. Sure. There's guys that are that are blowing some routes. If you've got option routes, you shock and I'll tell you, if you've got an option route on, it's third down, and I'm probably going to camp on you. I'm, I'm gonna, not going to stare at you. I'm going to look it off, but I'm going to I'm going to get to you because I know if I get man coverage, you're my option. Okay, I'm going to I've got Bijan Robinson. I got somebody on somebody man to man. You got to be definitive with the route. Mm-hmm. Make your decision because if they're playing man, they're probably coming after me. Yep. Yep. And I don't have a lot of time to sit back there. So if I'm waiting on you, don't get out of the backfield and kind of decide. Okay, I'll break out. Yeah. Too late. Yeah. You get up there, boom, bust it inside. I put the ball on you. Get out there, boom, bust it outside. I'll put it on you. There's some of that going on mm-hmm. that. And when you start talking, you hear the coach talk about cleaning up the week, things we need to evaluate, we need to look at. Who are we putting in those positions to give them an opportunity to give us a chance to win? Are they making good decisions, and are they making them timely? Those are things that are going on this week because some of that stuff's not going on the field. And, sure, there's some calls that, you know, Art would probably say, damn, I wish I'd call something a little bit different there. Or And Ryan might say that, too. But there's also a whole bunch of calls that are exactly what they want, yep. and they're not being executed properly. And and to me, that's where the crux here is. Try to eliminate the ones that you're saying, ah, I wish I hadn't called that, and get the other 60 or 70 plays that you're playing on offense or defense, dial those in to where mm-hmm. you make the play. If I got a chance to put the quarterback on the ground, put him on the ground. Yep. If I got a chance to win on an option route, win on the option route. And, and what I'll say, too, to your point, Arch, is is you can, we're not going to sit here and make excuses for the one or two calls because you could make the argument that every coach in the NFL, every offensive and defensive coordinator, every single week, guys, has two or three calls that they wish they had back, yeah. right? That they're like, I'll take that one. That was my mistake. But the other ones are the ones that they're anticipating and hoping and wanting the players to make plays. To your point, after the Nate Landman interception, first and 10 at the Arizona 14-yard line, they go four plays minus three yards field goal, right? So those are the opportunities you have to get. And one of those plays, if I'm I'm not mistaken, Rack, is a quick screen to the outside, and the ball goes through Heineke's hands on the snap. Yep. Mm -hmm. And it hits him in the face. And he ends up having – it messes Mm -hmm. the timing. Yeah, so he can't get it out right now because now they're closing. They've seen it. He has to load the ball up, and they have to skate out and throw it away. Yep. That's what I'm talking about. The play is there. Execute the play. Yes. And then, DJ, in contrast, okay, let's go to this play because Greg Dorch ended up getting a 49-yard punt return where two players from the Falcons, I believe it was Liam McCullough and Lorenzo Carter, ended up basically running into each other. They had him dead in the water. Yeah. He was on the ground, okay? He slides out, takes it back yeah. 49 yards. What's the difference here, though? Arizona punches the ball into the end zone for a touchdown. So to me, yes, I understand it's apples to apples. It's two different teams, but 
in their short field opportunity, they were able to punch it in for a touchdown, and we were not able to do it. But that's another one of those plays on special teams. Arthur Smith talked about it like – you just got to make the play, yeah, right? No, no doubt about it. I think uh, I think we all know all three phases go together. We don't have to say that. And when you have instances like that, and the other team kind of does a good job of of converting, it makes it tough on you. I go back to even the week before that, where we get the scoop and get the scoop by uh, Lorenzo. We go down to the one yard line. Yeah, we have misses down there. We get stuffed a couple times. We got kicked another field goal. So here it is, two weeks in a row not really capitalizing on those opportunities Arch, that you just talked about, and it comes back to haunt you. It comes back to hurt you when you have to kick those field goals. And and you think about that third phase, it's so it, – it, it's kind of demoralizing when those are the hidden yards plays that comes up and it ends up hurting you late in the ballgame. Callum Murray, you know, has a QB draw, and two plays later they go down and score. Those are the instances in the ballgame where you got to find ways to get it done then because if you don't, guess what? They capitalize, and they do what you didn't do, which is score a touchdown. Now you're fighting the numbers game of, okay, we didn't capitalize, and they did, and it forced you into late in the ball game where you got to go try to find points. So how do you do that? So the question the fans asking is, okay, well, how do you make that – change that scenario? How do you make it where you get a touchdown as opposed – and so – from a physical standpoint, there's the physical part of blocking people and doing all this kind of stuff. There's got to be a sense of urgency, but no panic. A sense of urgency. When you get a turnover like that, you realize that it's one of those five or six moments in a game yep. that's going to turn the game. Yep. So now my focus has to go from what you hope is fine focus anyway or away from space focus. Hey, it's the second quarter. Isn't this great? We've got a big crowd here. Boom. I've got to zero right down right now, and I've got to execute my part of the play to the nth degree. Catch the ball in the snap. i got to get that guy's outside shoulder for running outside zone. I've got to capture my moment within that play, and the sense of urgency then affects all 11 players where you execute and you win. Mm-hmm. Now, sure, the other team's getting paid to play, and they realize there's a sense of urgency on their side as well, but impose your will at that moment. And those are the things – because there's no magic pill you're going to say, oh – Okay, we gotta you know take a magic pill, and now we're gonna score a touchdown because we got the ball on the ten yard line. Yep. You got to go finish finish it off, yep. cash it in. Yep. That's the part that's irritating me. In case you didn't notice, yeah, <laughs> yeah, get a little fired up, right? Uh, but that's that's kind of how that's how the players are. That's how the coaching staff. Everybody gets fired up because it means so much in the National Football League. A couple other things that were a problem in the game: Trey McBride was a problem. Uh, ended up with eight catches for 131 <laughs> he's yards. Good I mean, he's a good player. I mean, there. first, I think I heard on the broadcast he was a first Arizona tight end over 100 yards receiving in 34 years. Wow. I believe that's what they said on the broadcast. And then, of course, Matt Prater, who's got one of the biggest legs in the league, ends up drilling, what was it, a 56-yard field goal after yeah. they had third and 30. They complete a pass from the 50-yard line. They complete a pass for 12 yards, gives them just enough room for him to, to drill a 56-yard field goal. Uh, and that's just three more points for the Arizona Cardinals. So, guys, let's let's get into the quarterback discussion a little bit. The reason why I say that is because there's so much conversation around it. You cannot turn on a press conference with Arthur Smith right now without majority of the questions being about the quarterback position, what's going to happen, what adjustment needs to be made, who's going to start, so on and so forth. So I'm going to ask my two quarterbacks to give kind of your scouting report, your state of the union on the two quarterbacks that Atlanta has right now. And if you want to give your opinion on where they go moving forward, that's fine. But, DJ, where do they stand right now with the quarterback room for the Falcons? I think where you stand now, number nine is your guy. 
that's my personal opinion. I haven't heard anything. I uh, haven't talked to anybody. Um, but if I'm purely watching off of what we've seen throughout the season, we've seen Heineke come in and do some good things, but then we also see things not work out. I mean, we, we've seen a bunch of instances throughout a ball game where it just looks like they haven't been on the same page on certain things. And it's the options route that, that I was talking about, I remember one the ball game that was nearly intercepted. And the guy could either break in, break out. He breaks inside, but he has all the room outside to really, you know, go out and catch his option route. You get outside released by Johnny Smith, and, you know, the receiver breaks inside instead of outside. And I, I think that this is a good time for the bye week because you have so many things that you could go back and watch. I, I heard I heard B. John Robinson talk about, hey, this week, I'm a, you might have said it with you, mm-hmm. Arch. I'm going to go back and I'm going to watch every run. I'm going to watch every catch, and I'm going to see how I can improve on my tracks. I'm going to improve on the things that I see. And I think this is a perfect instance for this staff, for these quarterbacks to go back and watch everything they've done this first half of the season and say, okay, how can I individually get better? I think number nine is your guy. I think Ritter gives you an opportunity to do a lot of great things. I think you went into the season wanting him to be the guy. And I heard Arthur Smith talk about it. He talked to Joe Gibbs and said, all right, I had to sit Mark Rippon for a while. And he came back in and, you know, he led us to to, to a Super Bowl, which we all hope is uh, the case here uh, in the near future. I just think Desmond Ritter gives you the best opportunity to go win at this moment. No – no knock on Taylor Heineke. He's done a good job for us. Uh, but I think Desmond Ritter gives you, with his legs, with his arms, I think the opportunity to, to, to sit back and watch after turning the football over like he did, yeah. now to be able to sit back. And I love, I love the fact that I heard that he was still running the meetings with mm-hmm. the skill guys. I mean, how cool is that? That Taylor Heineke knows that at the end of the day, yeah, this is pro- this is still probably Desmond's team. I still want him to go out and do these type of things, and that tells you he's still locked in. And when you sit back as a quarterback and something is taken away from you, you have a different perspective from it. It's different watching it from the sideline. It's different watching another guy on film make those same plays or not make those plays, and now you can sit back and say, okay, here's what I would have done. And if – I know Desmond Ritter like I've seen him throughout training camp through the last you know, year and a half. He has taken everything that he has had miscues with and learned from him and is willing to get better. And I thought we saw it in the game, uh, late in the game. He, he made some really good decisions, made some timely throws, let the football go on time. You know, obviously used his legs for a big touchdown, put the ball in his left arm running into the end zone <laughs> this time. Like, those are small things that you have to learn yeah. from. Uh, you know, it wasn't mentioned, but it's something that you look at and say, okay, this guy's went back and said, all right, these are the things that I need to improve on if I want to be the guy. Arch, the the giveaways, the biggest issue that Desmond was kind of battling early on in the season up until they made the change with Taylor Heineke. Taylor Heineke comes in, and the big discussion is they're scoring points. But at the end of the day, I look up, and with Taylor Heineke, a quarterback, there was still three losses on the board. At the end of the day, that's all that matters, right? Wins and losses. Taylor Heineke completing 55% of his passes, Desmond Ritter 65%. What's your state of the union of the quarterback room? Well, in this game, in this game, I felt like it was the right thing to do to start Taylor um, because of some of the things that we saw you know, prior to um, with his effort uh, in the way he played. So you start him in this game. I thought there was a reluctance to turn the football loose Mm -hmm. in this game uh, while Taylor was in the game. Um, And this is just my observation as a quarterback, seeing when windows are open, when you're throwing the deep end cuts, when you're supposed to turn it a lot as you come out of play action, when you throw that curl route, 
there was a reluctance to turn it loose. I don't know why there was an uncomfortability for him, but there were opportunities to, to send it down the field, mm-hmm. and he chose not to. He protected the ball. And, Shock, this is one that I've been trying to kind of mull over in my mind. I'm wondering your thoughts on the turnover thing has been such a conversation, and you know it is in the quarterback room. They're talking about, we got to take care of the ball. We're killing ourselves to take care we got to take care of the ball. Even Taylor turned the ball over through a bad interception uh, against Minnesota, right? So take me into that mindset. If you're the number one concern is taking care of the ball, doesn't that hamstring you a little bit in trusting yourself to see things and turn it loose when you need to? Oh, no doubt about it. Uh, I think you bring up a great point because if you're watching the guy in front of you who, quote, unquote, didn't lose his job but was kind of sat down because Giving of a break. the issues yes. that had before that, if I come into the ball game, my number one thought is I'm not going to do that. Yeah. And sometimes when you don't do that, you're a little less aggressive yeah. because there are times where if you're a, a, a quarterback with a lot of confidence and it's a small window, I'm going to let that go. Yeah. But if I feel like if I let this go and maybe it's a little behind or maybe it's not right on target and I turn it over, am I any better than the guy that I'm replacing? Yeah. So in the mindset, you're absolutely less aggressive than you would be if that wasn't the case. So I absolutely can agree with you, Arch, that – this was maybe something he never even mentioned, and he probably would never say it, but as a quarterback who's coming in and you want to play better, you want to take this offense to new heights, you want to do things differently, the one thing you cannot do is turn the football over. And guys who are who does turn the football over, so when you look around some league, the guys who got the strong arms, a Stafford or a Josh Allen, they force the ball into tough areas because they feel like they can do it, but their mindset isn't about – making a turnover. It's Their mindset is of making a play. Yes. So I think there is absolutely spots in his mind that he says, you know what, maybe I should not throw that. Maybe I'll just check it down. Yeah. Maybe I'll just hold on to it and wait to see a guy come open instead of trusting the guy that he's going to be in the spot. So, you, Archie, I, 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 I know exactly how you're feeling, where you're going with it, and it's exactly true. And he probably won't ever admit it, but it's probably a big deal that you don't want to do what the guy in front of you already did. Well, and the point you made is is perfect to kind of follow up with that con- that concept or that thought process is because Des sat down and you got something taken away from you. Remember, he comes in here as a third-round pick, and many thought that he was a first-round draft pick. Many thought that late, early second round. Mm-hmm. He goes to the third round, chip on his shoulder, little PO'd about the whole deal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you could see it on his face on draft night. He came here with that attitude. Yeah, okay? I mean, and, he told Terry what took so long. Right. right? Yeah. <laughs> he, he, so he he came. So, but I think when you get your knife gets dulled a little bit because you made some mistakes and they 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 crowned you the guy coming out. I think maybe some of that some of that uh, sharpness and maybe that some of that uh, you know that dog in you kind of kind of shies away a little bit because yeah. you don't want to turn it over. You don't want to make a mistake. It looked to me like when he came in the game, he had that back. Because mm-hmm. the throw he rips the Drake on the curl, on the yeah. curl route, yeah. that's a big-time throw. I mean, he made – okay, so we go zone read on second down, and he hands it off to Tyler, and they stone him for about a yard. He immediately looked to the sideline and went like this. Yeah. Give it to me again. Give it to me again. <laughs> he wanted it because he saw the way they played it. He called that play himself. And so Arthur just pointed to him and said, you call it. And he pulled it and ran for the touchdown. That was his call. 
to me, that was the sharpness you're looking for from the dude. And it maybe it took a little bit of like what Arthur's talking about to maybe get him to see things a little bit differently or not blame himself for, for, for different things. I just felt like there was a little bit more to him when he came in, almost like when we saw him for, for the first time. Hearing you say that, and I didn't know that at all, but hearing you say that tells me that's not a guy that lacks confidence. No. A guy who lacks confidence, he's not going to tell the hell coach what Give play he wants to run. Yeah, he's not going to say Come that. The ball. They're going to say, ball. coach, whatever you call, let's go with it. I'm just coming back in here. I'm just trying not to make a mistake. Yeah. Hearing that, that's a that's a light bulb for me. Like, oh, yeah, there's a different mindset now that he's sat and come back in that he wants to be better. And he fumbled a couple of times, but he's saying, <laughs> I'm going to run with the rock right no now. Doubt. And I'm going to run the rock into the end zone. And I Arthur Smith even said kind of eerie that it was similar to the play against Tampa Bay mm-hmm. where he ends up getting the ball knocked out. But this time he does what he needs to do, secures the football, gets into the end zone. So, again, this is just us spitballing as far as the quarterback room. We'll see what happens when the coach comes back after the bye week and the decision that he ends up making as they face the Saints, which leads me into the Saints, guys, because we are going to have four divisional games remaining uh, on the rest of the schedule that are going to be hugely important. It's easy for us to sit here and say, what does Atlanta have to do to get into the postseason? In my opinion, the way the things are happening right now, they need to worry about the next play, okay? They don't need to worry about three weeks down the road how they're going to beat X, Y, or Z to get into the postseason. they got to worry about how they're going to beat New Orleans, okay? New Orleans, they're going to be on by this week as well, but they're coming off a loss themselves to the Minnesota Vikings last week on the road 27-19. So, Arch, I know we talked about the Saints last year. And we talked about how they get after the quarterback, how certain guys have been a problem for the Atlanta Falcons. But there are also a number of guys on that Saints defense that are now wearing Falcons colors. (laughs) So give the viewers, the listeners kind of a state of where New Orleans is at right now. They sit atop of the division, but it's not like they're very far of anybody, including the Atlanta Falcons. No, and they've had some quarterback issues themselves, some of it mostly because of health more than anything else. Derek Carr has been banged up a couple of times. Jameis Winston's play. Jameis did some good things for him when he came in. But it's, I mean, it's the same cast of characters. A really good wide receiver core. Um, they've got a good running back. They've got a couple of good running backs. Um, this is an offensive line that I think is okay. I don't think they're dynamic by any stretch of the imagination. I think they're okay. Now, defensively is kind of where their bread is buttered, albeit they've been a little bit leaky this year than they have in recent years. Getting a little bit longer in the tooth to a certain extent, but still uh, one of the better linebackers in DeMario Davis in the middle. I think he's an outstanding player. Lattimore is one of the better corners in the league. So do you get matchups? Will, will Lattimore follow uh, follow Drake, maybe. I mean, he used to he used to kind of follow Julio around a little bit. I think in his first year or two, he had Julio. But um, but it's it's a very it's a team that uh, you'll recognize. They like to screen it on on offense. They want to run the football, but Carr will throw the ball down the field. Maybe more so than we remember Breeze. Breeze to sprinkle it all over the field. Carr likes to shoot the ball down the field some. Yep. So, um, but it's going to be a very uh, recognizable group. Um, They're solid, they're salty, and they, they like beating Atlanta. Obviously, huge rivalry, DJ. I mean, they've kind of talked about it. The Saints, they average 21, about 21 and a half points on offense. They're giving up about 20 points mm-hmm. on defense. Mm-hmm. They've actually got 18 sacks this year through 10 games, which is not great, right? 
Um, normally, that's an area that they end up excelling. Uh, Atlanta, as a comparison, has 21 sacks this year. What type of animal, if you will, is uh, are the Falcons going to be facing with the Saints next week? Uh, I think you look up and, and, and you say this is going to be a ball game that more than likely comes out to the end. I looked up some of their – their numbers on what they've done this season. Every game has been within seven or eight points, except for one game where they lost to Tampa in week four, 26 to nine. But other than that, every game's been within a touchdown. So that tells you, regardless of how their offense is playing, their defense keeps them in it, or vice versa, this is a team that's going to fight you to the end. And you just mentioned some of the numbers, uh, only giving up you know 113 rush yards, 199 passing on the season. Uh, Paulson Adebo, I was watching their game versus, you know, Minnesota the other week. This dude's got four interceptions. And while everybody's going away from Marshawn Lattimore, this dude locked up and was going everywhere Jordan Addison was going. Mm -hmm. And we saw that dude the week before. We know what he's done this year. He's been an excellent player, and they had a, a big-time battle. So Adebo is another guy who, in that secondary, along with Tyron Matthew, along with Lattimore that, that, uh, that Arch talked about, this is going to be a in-your-face yep. kind of physical style of defense. And I think it bodes well for us because guess what? We run this coming this ball game, and I think we need to run the football. This is what we're predicated on. We, we talked about it for I don't know how long. Running the football helps whatever quarterback's in the ball game, and I think if we're able to do that, guess what? Then you find your one on ones on the outside, and you can find ways to to, to kind of push the ball down the field yourself and create some explosive plays. We talked about it earlier. We want to be able to create more within this offense, and this will be a game you do that because. Saints are going to line up. They're going to play man coverage. They're going to get in your face. They're going to they're going to pressure. We know how uh, Lattimore likes to play. He's an aggressive style of guy. And offensively, Alave on the outside, Kamara. I mean, these are dudes that you know are top tier players in this league. So it's going to be a game you got to be ready to go for. Don't be surprised too with the Taysom Hill package. Oh, uh, yeah, Atlanta's Taysom, had yeah. a tough time with the quarterback. Yeah. Uh, in tackling the quarterback. Remember, even I mean, Goff even scored on a zone read. Yep. You know, you're not expecting Goff to do anything against you, period, in the run game. So you can bet that you're going to see Taysom Hill in those okay. short yardage and goal line situations. And you may even see him, because of some of the health scenarios that are going on with quarterback, he may get in thrown in for a series to yep. go play quarterback yep. just with his ability to break you down in the impromptu and take off. So they're going to have to make sure they tackle him. And, and, I, I think we – I mean, it's a good point you bring up about Taysom Hill. I, was that a couple of years ago we played against some back-to-back -back games and, you know, he ended up getting two wins for him when, mm -hmm. you know, Breeze was down. So, yeah, he's capable of throwing a rock. As we know, he's a guy who can move. But throwing around a yard and making plays with his legs, that's something that we've struggled with in exactly the last two weeks. In recent memory in the NFL, I mean, he's probably one of the best Swiss Army knife yeah. weapons on offense mm -hmm. that we've seen, yeah. it, what he can do. I mean, you can turn around, you can hand it to him, you can throw it to him, you can put him under center, you can do wildcat. I mean, he's that's the reason why he stayed with the same organization for so long, and they continue to pay him because he's such a weapon for him. DJ, you mentioned the, the wins or the close games for New Orleans. Atlanta, their last four losses – Two points, three points, five points, mm. eight points. Yeah. So one could make the argument all these games have been close. The other side of the argument is you got to find a win way to win those games. Yeah. You said it's going to be a close game. Arch, they're probably going to have to find a way to win a close game. You don't want to sit here and say we want to kick field goals, but this one might be a young way cool field goal to win it if for the if they're going to get this victory over the Saints. Yeah, I can just go to my note and just keep rewriting this at the top. Cash in on your opportunities. There's yeah. going to be some opportunities in this game. You don't know when they're going to come, but you've got to be able to focus in and make sure you cash them in. You certainly have been given enough opportunities and failed with those. Learn from your failures yep. 
in these last few games because everything is there in front of you. You beat New Orleans just uh, two weekends from now, and you're sitting there right at the top of the division as you head towards December, yeah. and you'll have be three and zero in the division. Yeah. Getting to the playoffs, last I checked, the, the easiest way to get in is to win your division. That's it. Just win your division. <laughs> yeah. And you get to play at home, too. There you go. So, uh, you know, as you mentioned, the division, That's and we'll kind of close with that. Uh, New Orleans on top right now at 5-5. Five and five, Okay, they're on by this week as well, so their record won't be changing. Buccaneers behind them at 4-5. and five. They've already had their bye. Obviously, they'll be playing. They're coming off a win over the Titans. Falcons 4-6, and six, sitting third in the division. And, of course, Carolina Panthers. As we talk so much about the Atlanta Falcons quarterback situation, by the way, just for perspective, Carolina does not have a quarterback issue. Yeah. They're 1-8, and eight, okay? So, sometimes when you have your guy, it ain't always glory. Yeah. Um, so, that's, that's the state of the NFC South right now. And when they do come back and they get a victory over New, uh, the New Orleans Saints, you're right back in this race. Um, so, anyway, gentlemen, thanks for uh, all your insight. And Arch, having your back. I'm, I'm hoping that the ratings will be so much better now <laughs> that you're back here in the middle between us. Well, we'll know whose fault it is if they don't, right? <laughs> there you go. Thanks so much for joining us on the Falcons Audible presented by AT&T. We will likely be off next week. No game to recap, but we will be back right after that to talk about Atlanta Falcons and New Orleans Saints. Thanks so much for joining us, everybody. We'll be back soon. Take care.